listening to Habs Culture, a Montreal Canadiens podcast. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Habs Culture and on Twitter at Habs underscore culture to stay on track with news and updates. Episode 57 of the Habs Culture podcast. My name is Justin Schwartz and I'm alongside Liam Baum. And just a few days ago, we talked quickly about the NHL draft, and we talked a little bit more about our picks and who we had going where and which teams were going to pick who. And I think I can confidently say now that Liam and I were both very, very, very off. Now, we had a couple guys that landed with their respective teams, but for the most part, we we missed a lot. Now, I think that can also be said for most of the professionals in this industry because the draft did not go the way anyone thought it would. It started off relatively strong with Connor Bedard going to the Chicago Blackhawks, and then things took a turn from there. But we'll get into that in a minute, and we'll talk about the draft in depth. We're going to talk a little bit about the UFA signings that have been going on so far today on July 1st, and then we'll get a little we'll we'll get more into uh how Montreal looked at this draft and what they did during the during the 2023 NHL draft. So just to start things off, We'll look at some of the notable signings. And Liam, I'll let you chime in here. Was there anyone that caught your eye this morning with any of the signings, players in particular, that you thought were a good fit with their respect with the team that they signed with? I think there were actually a lot of good contracts so far. Um, just one off the top of my head, Blake Wheeler for basically the league minimum in New York, along with Jonathan Quick. Um Orlov just signed for a big contract. I don't know if I love the AAV on that one in Carolina. And then, yeah, I think, uh, well, it's still going on right now, but a lot of good moves going on. Corpusalo going to Ottawa. They've got their goalie for the next five years. Um, Connor Brown also, basically league minimum. His contract is structured around bonuses. So, yeah. That's just off the top of my head. Any other ones? I think I like the fit for Oliver ekman Larson here. Again, you're looking at a guy that was making about $8 million a year in Vancouver, and now he gets to sign a one-year deal in Florida at $2.25 million. It's a guy that definitely has talent. He has a leadership role. He's 31 years old. He brings something to that decor. There's no doubt about that. Um, otherwise, I think that you know you can... You can name a guy like James Van Riemsdyk to Boston. Now, Boston's situation is definitely a particular one, but to get him at one year, one million for for one year at one million is not bad for the thirty-four year old. And then, honestly, I really like Frederick Anderson at two years at three point four million. I think he's a fantastic goalie, and I think that he's proven that uh, throughout his time in Carolina. And with that being said, at three point four million dollars, considering the goalie market at this point in time, I think that that was very friendly. But with all these great contracts come a few bad ones. Um, Just some notable ones off the top of our head. Ryan Reeves for three years at 1.35. Now, it's not necessarily the AAV that concerns me. It's more the term. If you don't mind, I'm I'm just going to jump in real quick. The AAV minds me a lot. Why would you give a guy 1.35 million who has no upside offensively, no upside defensively, literally just gets on the ice and 
skates around like it's a walk in the park. I don't know why they're spending $1.35 million on him when they need to be saving this money for Nylander so he can stay and obviously Austin Matthews. So, look, I don't want to get into the Leafs drama, but again, Brad Tree Living starting off with a weak move there. Yeah, look, I, I, I definitely don't agree with you. I definitely don't disagree with you there, excuse me. I think... I think it's definitely money that could have been spent elsewhere. Now we're not talking about a significant amount of money, but to say to say the least, I mean, it just doesn't look. You, you, if you're trying to bring in grit to this team, you definitely did that, but that's about all you did, and you didn't really you didn't really add any firepower to your bottom six, which is something that they've struggled with forever. So I think that it was kind of a very it was a very lateral move, and if not lateral, I would say it was it was a loss in that case. So definitely questionable. Um, now fast forwarding to something that happened a little bit more recently, Justin Hall signs with the Detroit Red Wings for three years at $3.4 million a year. Justin Hall was in and out of the lineup in Toronto, never found his spot, never really played up to, I won't say expectations, but never really played up to what, I guess what he could be as a, as a, you know, a role player on that team. And Stevie Y just hands him, hands him a, a nice fat check there. So that was definitely a little bit questionable considering his past in this league. Yeah. But other than that, I think everything's kind of stayed status quo. I don't think that there's been anything. Oh, maybe actually, sorry, uh, kind of jumped the gun there. But Ryan O'Reilly yeah, I was gonna say. to the Nashville Predators at for four years at $4.5 million. Very good on the AAV in my opinion. Just very questionable in terms of where Nashville's going with that contract because they're not a team that's necessarily in a compete now mode. You know they just lost Ryan Johansson in a deal to, in a deal to the Colorado Avalanche, and they bought out Matthew Shane. So they kind of just signed a center to make up for their loss of centers. So it's just it's just a little bit questionable, but I guess you can't knock it until you see it in full effect. Yeah, well, right now it looks like they're trying to win games because they go out and sign Luke Shen as well to add to their pretty deep decor. I wouldn't say it's outstanding, but it's they've got some notable names there. And then they go out and sign Gustav Nyquist as well. So I have no idea what Barry Trotz is doing. I don't think they're going to try and be terrible, but I also don't know if they... Well, they're not going to win. So I don't know. A couple questionable questionable moves there. Um, Other than that, a couple former Habs on the move. Um, Anthony Richard going to Boston. He was very, very good in the minors last season for Laval. Uh, Alex Belzil going to the Rangers, and who else am I missing here? Joel Edmondson. Joel Edmondson going to the Washington Capitals for a third and a seventh round pick, and fifty percent retained in that on yeah. that deal. One point seven five mil staying with the Habs next season after his contract expires in a year, and that officially marks all defensemen that were on the Stanley Cup roster are now gone. And speaking games. of that, speaking of that, make sure to go check out our TikTok. Yes. Liam did a little bit of a challenge. He tried to guess the whole 2020 Montreal Canadian Stanley Cup final team. And as we speak, Liam, one of our favorite free agents, Max Pacioretty, wow. goes off the board to the Washington Capitals on a one-year, $2 million deal. Initial thoughts, reactions, give it to me right now. That was one of your favorite free I... agents, correct? I yeah I I don't know if I said Washington I feel like one of us might have said something about Washington I, it might have been Tarasenko I think I said Tarasenko but that's uh an interesting move 
I think that's going to work out really, really well. $2 million. Come on. That's, that's amazing. So you get there a 30 plus goal scorer along with Ovi. And then you got your centers there with Kuzi if he doesn't get moved and Backstrom. They're looking good. They're looking good. Look, if you're and 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 we'll talk about the draft, but you know that you go out and get a guy like Ryan Leonard, right? So they're 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 and definitely Cristal. right. And Andrew Cristal, very talented in the second round. Now, just just to you know wrap up the free agency for now, the UFAs that are still available, and most of them are notable names because on our free agency episode two episodes ago, we talked about them: Alex Kalorn, Patrick Kane. Patrice Bergeron, Jonathan Taves, Matthew Shane, Vladimir Tarasenko, and Michael Bunting. These are still all names that are out there as the names fly off the board. And if anything happens during this episode, we'll be we'll be sure to report yeah. it. There's no doubt about that. I'm, oh, and there goes Michael Bunting to Carolina. Three years. Wow. As yeah. we speak. These names will be signing pretty quickly during this episode, I'll assume. And it's it's funny because Carolina is is... I'll I'll say it. I, I think that they're very they're overly aggressive sometimes when it comes to signing guys. And look, don't get me wrong. I think that for the most time it works out. But but you know, let's see how these let's see how these moves work, right? I mean, you're you're bringing in a guy like Orlov for seven seven point seven five. It's definitely a, a steep a steep cost. Now we know what he can bring to the table, but is he going to live up to that contract? Who knows? And I guess we'll wait right now on on uh, the uh, on the AAV for Michael Bunting on that three year contract. But let's move into the draft now. Let's move into the draft. A much-anticipated event for Montreal Canadiens fans sitting at fifth overall. There was a lot of speculation about the pick, as you guys know. We talked endlessly about who we thought would end up in a Montreal Canadiens sweater, whether it was Matvey Mitchkov, whether it was Ryan Leonard, whether it was Zach Benson, or whether it was David Reinbacher. Now... Liam and I, are, I, I would say for the most part, are very conservative Habs fans. We believe in what the management does. We believe in, in, in their vision, in their values. And I think you can't knock the move until, until it comes into full effect, right? David Reinbacher is an 18-year-old defenseman who played in the Swiss League last year. He sits at 6'2". He's 18 years old. There's a lot, there's a lot to be said for his potential as a, as a right-handed defenseman in this league. But it does beg a few questions. It does beg a few questions in terms of where the Montreal Canadiens brass was going with this pick. Because we talked about how if they weren't going to take Matvey Mitchkov and they wanted to select someone else, why didn't they just move back in the draft and you know acquire some assets while being able to take their guy that they wanted all along? Now, in the case for David Reinbacher, it might not have been possible considering that Arizona was very high on him and ended up going with a defenseman in Dmitry Simashev at 6th overall. So who knows if David Reinbacher would have been available at that point. But nonetheless, they went out and got their guy in David Reinbacher. And there's been a lot of hate going around considering, you know, the much-anticipated Matvey Mitchkov. But, Liam, give me your... I know we always talk about initial reactions and I don't really want your initial reactions, but I want your thoughts on this pick. You know, what you think that this pick can turn out to be for the Montreal Canadiens. Do you think it was, even though it was publicly not a a very, it wasn't accepted as a, as a, as a pick for Montreal, but do you, but do you accept the pick? Do you think that this is something that can work out in the near future? Or do you think it's a long-term project? Do you think that this stabilizes the decor? And, you know, even though Montreal 
could have used a guy like Mitchkov. Do you think that they're set up front and don't need a guy like Mitchkov? What are your thoughts? Yeah, so I'll give my initial reaction. At the time, I wasn't disappointed about picking Reinbacker. I was more disappointed in the fact that we didn't take Mitchkov. I'm not disappointed or upset that we chose Reinbacker because he has an immense amount of skill. He is everything that all, all the skill he needs to uh, to become a top NHL defenseman. It's just that leaving a guy like Mitchkov on the board who has the upside of getting 100-plus points in a season is just difficult to watch. But after some reading and hearing about the pit more about Reinbacker, I'm honestly not mad at all, and I think it could really work out for the future, and the Habs really did get their number one right D-man. Right D-man. So I think I'll trust Ken Hughes here. If he says this was the best talent available, like he mentioned before the draft, he was going to pick the best talent available at the pick, then I hope he's right. But uh, no, the slander that Reinbacker's getting from Habs fans is ridiculous and just unacceptable. So... He's an 18-year-old kid. He's going to develop great, I think. And, you know, I'm happy. Overall, I'm happy. I'm just disappointed overall with the rest of the draft, which we'll get into. Yeah, exactly. So, look, let's let's break down Reinbacher for a second. He had the second most productive draft season by an uh, by a player in in uh, in NLA history behind Austin Matthews when he was playing in Austria as well. And the best by a defenseman he we we know already off the off the top of the show that he was a top player for Austria at the 2023 World Juniors and he played some big minutes he logged some he logged some heavy minutes yep so again like you said and i really and i really like that comment by you i think that it was not necessarily about not wanting Reinbacker. it was more about wanting Mitchkov and exactly. i 100% get that and it's tough to see a guy like Mitchkov who you know by scouts and by professionals is seen as the second best player in this draft, go at number seven and falls into Daniel Briere's lap to Philadelphia. Now, we're going to go through pick by pick. We're going to probably go through the top 10 because that's what we've stayed consistent with for our pre-draft stuff. So for our post-draft stuff, we'll stick to top 10. But let's start it off at number one, Liam. Yep. Let's, let's look at Connor Bedard. So, yeah, absolutely no surprise. Bedard goes to Chicago and... They get their generational player. We all knew it was going to happen, so not much to say about that other than he will be absolutely outstanding. I think that, obviously, there was no doubt about that pick. You know, I think he's already fitting in really nicely in Chicago. And if there's one thing this, that this draft showed me, Liam, is that Connor Bedard does have a personality. Yeah. And it's nice to definitely. see because a lot of times, you know, with these unbelievable hockey players, it, it, it comes with focus and it comes with, you know, kind of, blocking out the noise and don't get me wrong I, I i he's probably that type of guy too but it's mm -hmm. it's nice to see that he's gonna add some he's yeah. gonna add some oomph to this league and really provides some, some something cool some marketing you there know? you go but yeah it's it's nice to see how he does these interviews and stuff with uh you know bar down and those guys over there so yeah i think it's uh it's gonna be fun to see him he's gonna develop well and hopefully he becomes a good personality for the nhl unlike McDavid, who I think I've heard three words from in the last eight years. So, Yeah, no, yep. exactly. So we'll, we'll see how that works out. And, I, and, I, and look, we already see again with Chicago adding a lot of talent around Bedard. And it's, 
look, it's not necessarily top-end talent, but we didn't talk about it. You know, mm-hmm. Taylor Hall goes to Chicago. They go out and get Nick Felino in the process. They Corey go Perry. out and sign Corey Perry. Like, they're, they're trying to shelter this kid with the most... With the, the most amount of skill possible while also keeping their rebuild alive. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's incredibly important because this kid is going to have to be... He doesn't necessarily have to be surrounded by top-end talent, but he has to be surrounded by leaders and he has to be surrounded by For guys sure. that are going to, you know, keep him in line and make sure that he's on the right path as a human, let alone a hockey player. So let's hope that that works out for him. And I, and I hope so because he, he seems like a fun guy. Yeah, quickly. Go ahead. He's uh, going to be playing with a former... What Taylor Hall won the the heart, right? Correct. With yeah, New Jersey. So he's playing with a former heart player who carried his team. Can learn a lot from him. Corey Perry, 50-goal scorer. I'm sure he can take a lot of notes from him. And obviously Nick Foligno, a former captain and terrific leader. So I think Connor Bedard has the right tools and right players around him to help him develop into a really good player. Exactly. And let's not forget that the Chicago Blackhawks also did go out and and take another player in the first round in, um, sorry, I'm blanking on the name. Well, they went out and got Oliver Moore as well, right? At 19th overall, which I th- personally think was a great pick considering that I thought that he would go inside the top 10. Now, maybe yeah. that wasn't a great projection by me, but nonetheless, they get a, an incredible skater at 19th overall. You couple that with a guy like Connor Bedard where you're already winning the draft in Chicago. So kudos to Kyle Davidson there. But let's move on to number two. The Anaheim Ducks, I won't say go off the board, but they take their guy in Leo Carlson. Now, I think that there's obviously going to be a lot of speculation about, well, is Leo Carlson the right pick? Adam Fantilli was projected number two all the way up until the draft, and then he slips, well, slips, but he goes number three. Is this the right pick by Anaheim? I'm going to go with yes here. I'm going to go with yes. I think that coming out of Sweden, played for Orobro, 6'2", 194 pounds. He plays a very big game. He has he has the... I think I mentioned this too, right, to you, Liam, when we did our first initial mock draft, and I, and I still believe in it, is that he probably has the second most upside, maybe third most behind Matvey Mitchkov, but, but top-end upside if, he, if he's able to develop those raw skills. Yeah, I think so too. I'm not going to agree with you there that they made the right pick because I think time will tell, but... Um, yeah, Leo Carlson had an outstanding season getting 25 points in 44 games in a men's league. So yeah, Anaheim gets their center or winger. Who knows? He might get placed on the wing or it's, it'll it'll be Trevor Zegers or McTavish. So we'll see how that develops, but Anaheim's looking like they're going to have a really bright future. So yeah. Any other comments about Leo Carlson? Not necessarily about Leo Carlson, but clearly that they're they're building something relative, like they're building something, they're trying to build something special in Anaheim. Yeah. And I also saw a report this morning that they were they were going hard after Alex DeBrincat also. Mm-hmm. So not only are the Red Wings involved in that sweepstakes, but Anaheim has entered the chat. We'll put it that way. Mm-hmm. So who sees what who who knows what Anaheim will do? But if they can acquire a guy like DeBrincat, like that could also accelerate accelerate a rebuild, right? Sure. Their decor looks very solid with Jamie Drysdale at the helm. We'll see what happens, but. I, I'm like I said, like I don't I don't know if it, like you said, I don't know if it was necessarily the right pick, but it was it was a good pick to say the least. Mm-hmm. So move on to number three, where I think that this is kind of a match made in heaven for the and sorry, let's backtrack a little bit. Let's give our let's give our grades also. Because oh, we yes. were gonna, we were planning on giving grades to each yeah. team. So Connor Bedard, a number one. A plus. A plus plus almost. Yeah. Right? It doesn't get better than that. And number two, thoughts on Leo Carlson? I'm gonna give it 
an A minus. Okay. Just because I feel like Fantilli might have higher potential or more upside, but Leo Carlson's still amazing. So A minus. A minus. Fair enough. I'll go with an A there. I think that, you know, you're still you, in any other draft, right? He in any other draft, he's a number two automatically, if not a first overall pick. So I'm gonna give him the A there. Um moving on to number three. So we just talked about it. Adam Fantilli going to the Columbus Blue Jackets. He reunites with a bunch of Michigan teammates in Ken Johnson. And I think I'm blanking on one more. But anyway, he I think that's a, a great a great place to play for him. I think it makes a lot of sense. You know, they've been looking for a center and they kind of it just fell in their lap at three. Yeah. Um Adam Fantilli really wanted to go to Columbus. Apparently. Like before the draft, there was a video that said or he was saying it might be unorthodox to say it, but I want to go to Columbus. So, yeah, it's great to hear that someone wants to play in Ohio. So, um, building with Johnny Goudreau for the next seven years or six years, and then Patrick Line has got some years left on his contract. I think Columbus, if Adam Fantilli does play, he he just signed his ELC. So, correct. I assume he'll be playing next season. And uh, if they do, I really wouldn't be surprised if Columbus can squeeze into the playoffs there. Exactly. So, I, I on that pick, I'm gonna give that like again, probably an A plus. I think that it worked out perfectly, to be honest with you. Um, I don't think it can really get any better in a draft class that's this stacked, especially at number three. If you're lucky enough to get a guy like Adam Fantilli, and again, we we call it a consolation prize. It's not really a consolation prize, but it's it's the best consolation prize possible. Yeah. So, so I think I think you got to give an A plus to Columbus there to just take the best guy available and. And take it and run. Yeah. Like you said, it's not a consolation prize because any other draft, he's going one or two. So I'm going to give it an A-plus as well. I really like Adam Fantilli. I think uh, he's he's just going to be amazing. I just don't see any reasons why he won't be good. So let's move on to San Jose, who selected Will Smith at number four. Um, I'll give my thoughts first. But yeah, I think this is a great pick as well. Although I think they could have gone with Matt Vemichkov because they are kind of in the beginning of their rebuild. Um, yeah, I think that could have been the better pick. But Will Smith, absolutely insane offensive upside. His vision's insane. I've been saying, we've been saying this for the last three weeks. But yeah, we don't need to go over his seasons, uh, his last seasons, because they were just amazing, breaking and shattering these records in the uh, U.S. National Development Program. But uh, yeah, overall, I'm going to give this pick, uh, I'm going to give it an A- minus as well, just because I think Mitchkov could have been better for them, just in terms of where their rebuild's at. Yeah, look, I like the pick a lot. I think that if he was available at five, I would have loved for Montreal to take him as well. I kind of didn't include that in the names I mentioned before, but that's also a guy that I would have loved. I think that considering that there was a lot of speculation that he might even jump up to three, this is a great pick for for. Uh, San Jose. That's why I'll, I'll give this pick an A because I think that, again, it's one of those situations where they were almost lucky enough to get him. Now, I think that San Jose would have been lucky enough to get anyone in that top four and even a guy like Mitchkov. But nonetheless, I think that it was a great pick by San Jose. Mike Greer capitalized on an opportunity to bring in another, or not another, but a very, very, very productive um, young player from the US NDP. And I think that, that his game will translate heavily to the NHL level if he's able to if he's able to maintain those skills and to produce and to and to show them at that at this level. So I think that that was a great pick by uh, the San Jose Brass there. And like I said, I'll give that pick an A. Yeah. 
So yeah, Will Smith has shown strides of Jack Hughes and obviously Jack Hughes didn't have that great of a first season, but clearly shows how you can develop into a really good player in just a matter of one year. So let's go on to the next one. The big one, Montreal selects David Reinbacker at number five. Uh, we talked about this before. Both of us were a little bit disappointed in the fact that we didn't take Mitchkov, not about the pick of David Reinbacker because we both think he's an amazing player. Um, yeah, I, th- I'm going to give this pick, I might get a little bit of hate for this, but I'm going to give it a B. I think some people will rank it much lower just because we didn't take Mitchkov, but I'm going to give it a B because we did get the best defenseman in this draft, the most NHL ready defenseman in this draft. And just by Arizona selecting their Simashev at, at the next pick, it just shows you how valuable a right-handed D-man was in this draft and that Reinbacker was probably going to be off the board next pick. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, if I'm being honest, I think I'll even maybe get a little bit more hate. I'll give this pick a B plus. And again, like you mentioned, you're getting the most ready, NHL-ready defenseman. And again, you know, you can make the argument that was this a player that deserved to go at number five? Was he a player that merited going at number five considering what he's produced and how he's produced in his respective league? And I think the answer is yes. Now, is it's not to say that, again, like we said, it shouldn't have been a guy like Mitchkov, Benson, Ryan Leonard, and even Smith if he fell there. But the truth is, is that you're getting a guy that's going to immediately, immediately, and maybe not next season because he's still an 18-year-old defenseman and they take a little bit longer to develop. But if you're looking at this decor now from left to right, from left side to right side, you're looking at, in term, if, when they're all in their prime, you're looking at a stacked decor. And that's where you need to build your team from. Now, it might come back and, you know, hurt us when Mitchkov finally comes over to North America playing for Philly and puts up 40 or 50 goals and almost 100 points. I think that we'll be sitting here and being like, man, like, kind of like the Caulfield-Cam York situation on a different level, obviously, but Mm -hmm. where, you know, I guess you can say that Philly kind of regrets not taking Caulfield due to size. but. In this case, it's tough to it's it's tough when there's a there were a, there's a lot more outside influence with the Mitchkov situation, political influence. It's a completely different story. Yeah. But nonetheless, I think that it might hurt to see what Mitchkov's gonna do at this level. But I don't think Habs fans will be nearly as mad as they are right now when David Ryanbacher finally slots in on that right side top pairing and is paired with Lane Hudson and absolutely deadly combo mm-hmm. for for a contending Montreal Canadiens team in a couple years down the road. Yeah, just to give the listeners an idea of what our decor could look like in the next five years. Well, we can t- kind of do this together just in case we miss someone, but we're looking at Caden Gooley on the left, David Reinbacker on the right, Lane Hudson on the left, Justin Barron on the right. Uh, we got Jack guy. We still got Matheson locked up for a bit. Um, who am I missing here? Other D men, uh, Jordan Harris, Jaden Struble. We've just got a ton of guys in the system. So the Habs decor is definitely looking bright. We just need to add some scores and hopefully our forward prospects can be that for the future. We'll see. That was, that's what I was going to say also, because I think the, I think the, the Montreal Canadian situation is really interesting because a lot of people were obviously high on Mitchkov and high on what he's going to bring to the table as, as a pure goal scorer and as potentially the second best player in this draft. 
And again, it's not it's not to say that he doesn't merit being taken where he is just because of team need, right? But the Montreal Canadiens have a logjam in their in their forward core, right? It's and and it's not to say that Mitchkov, like I said, wouldn't just slot in automatically to a, a top line role. But it's tough when Ken Hughes is also faced with the task of you know unloading a couple centermen, like whether it's Christian Dvorak, you know, you re-sign Monahan, but now you still have Jake Evans, and you're still you still have a big contract in Gallagher, you still have a guy like Armia, and you still have a big contract in Josh Anderson. So what do you, it's hard to move all these pieces when they're all part of your core and they're all part of your top nine or top twelve or your forward core. And then you just bring in another guy that's going to have to force another guy out at one point or another. And then it's a hard contract to move, but you're signed him, you've signed him for so long. So again, it's just, I'm not saying that taking Mitchkov would have been the wrong move just because of where the Montreal Canadiens are situated right now in terms of their core. But I'm just saying that it, it's probably a little bit harder than people expect to do. Yeah. I, I think Ken Hughes might've lied a little bit saying that he would pick based off the best player available because I think position always comes into play and you always need to know what's best for your team. So overall, can't be disappointed because we did get the best defenseman in this draft. So yeah, quickly, Kevin Shattenkirk going to the Bruins for one year. That one year, just, one mil. Yeah, one year, one mil. See, I think, I think the and just to change topics here, I think the Boston Bruins are heading in a direction where it's going to be really, really, really tough to keep their well-oiled machine well-oiled. Well, it all depends on if Bergeron Krejci come back because they legit don't have a first or second line center that's unless it. you think Charlie Coyle is a, a first line center. And let's not forget, and I and I love this move because you know old old rivalry between Montreal and and Boston, but Lucic going back to uh, yeah, to Boston is awesome, and it's funny to see because you know you reunite you reunite Lucic with that core with Ber- well assuming Bergeron goes back, but Bergeron Marshawn that those nasty pests, mm-hmm. and then now all you need is a Daniel Chara, Sean Thornton, <laughs> and some Nathan Horton. Yeah, and you're, all gonna and come you're back. set, and you're set for like the nasty 2010 Bruins. <laughs> but well, yeah, the the big bad Bruins are coming back. You, you so. want to know something crazy though, and this is completely off topic, but I think that because of that rivalry, if you asked us to name, like if we did the challenge where we were naming the Montreal Canadiens team, but we did the Bruins team from the 2010s, I think it would be a lot easier than some people expect, just because of that rivalry, how crazy it was, Maybe. and like the core players. But anyway, that that was. Maybe That's very, very off topic. Maybe we'll have to do that, and then we're going to do terrible and get roasted again. Yeah, so. exactly. But again, don't forget to go check out our TikTok yeah. at Habs Culture. We're growing. We're growing. We're growing. Anyway, <laughs> let's move on to the sixth pick. Now, this is where I think things get dicey. Well, they already did get dicey, but Arizona feels the need to take another defenseman because apparently they missed out on their guy in David Reinbacher. So they go to... Uh, they. Pick the left-handed defenseman from Yaroslav um, Dmitry Simashev. Yep. Now he's six four, almost two hundred pounds. Look, I do not know much about him. I knew that he was supposed to be a top twenty pick for sure, maybe even a top 20, uh, fifteen pick at that point. But I think that this is kind of a situation where Arizona missed. I'll, I'll say I'll, I'll say missed because again, kind of like Montreal, if they wanted their guy which they knew wasn't necessarily the most talented guy at that spot. They could have maybe moved back, acquired more assets, and in turn got their guy. But nonetheless, they still took Dmitry Simashev, who is a strong 6'4", 200-pound defenseman out of the KHL. He's 17 years old. He clearly plays at a high level, and he's represented uh, Russia's U18 team in 2022. Um, 
look, he he has the tools. It's going to be a question of, remember how we talked about with David Reinbacher pre-draft, how wherever he goes, depending on the development team, are they going to be able to develop his raw tools? I think the same thing applies with a guy like Dmitry Simashev, where is Arizona going to be able to develop his raw tools and turn him into a top-pairing defenseman? But I guess we'll wait and see on that. What's your grade on this pick? I'm going to give it a C+. Okay. C plus. I think that it's nothing against Dmitry Simashev because I think he's a great player. It's more on Arizona picking him where he was picked. Yeah. Yeah. So I think Simashev was actually a great pick over here. Maybe a bit of a reach, but in the, the past few weeks, his draft stock has just been skyrocketing. And on a lot of uh, advanced statistic mock drafts, they had him in the top, the, the definite top 10. So yeah, it's maybe Arizona reached here, but. Maybe this is going to be a smart pick and good luck on uh, the Arizona Coyotes uh, matching suit. Uh, uh, brass. <laughs> yeah, brass. Yeah, it's interesting. Anyways, yeah. Um, overall, I think uh, this was an interesting pick. Could work out. I'm going to give it... Uh, I like the risk here, but just with the players still on the board, I'm going to have to lower it a bit. I'm going to go C+. Sounds good. We're on the same page. And now moving on at seven, the Philadelphia Flyers select Matvey Michkov out of the SKA St. Petersburg in Russia, out of the KHL, 5'10", 172 pounds, has the upside to be the second best player in this draft, maybe even stride for stride with a guy like Connor Bedard, who knows, but incredible player, incredible, incredible player. There's obviously a lot of uncertainty surrounding him. But I'm not even going to get into the... I'm not getting into the mere details with a guy like him. I'm jealous as of right yeah. now. But I'm going to give this pick an A+. Yeah. Uh, Philly got the guy that really wanted to go to Philly, apparently. They met with him secretly, so... That's a little bit sketchy. <laughs> yeah, a little bit sketchy, but it plays in the rules. So, game is game. And Matt Vemichkov gets to go to the team he clearly expressed he wanted to go to. A++++. They're getting an absolute steal at number seven. It would have been really cool to see him drop to eight and maybe go play with Ovi. I wanted it. I wanted Imagine it to happen. It's like a passing of the torch. Like Ovi, you know, he signed his five-year deal. Now he's has now after after that season, now he has four left. And then four years comes by or goes by. Now this guy's scoring forty-five goals, fifty goals yeah. a season, and it's literally the second coming of Ovi in yeah. Washington. It's the reincarnation and. Matt Vemichka would be stepping right in, but unfortunately it didn't happen. But fortunately for Washington, they go out and get, I won't, I won't say their guy, but they take one of the better players available in Ryan Leonard. They get him at number eight. So we talked a lot about Ryan Leonard because in our mocks, in your mock 2.0, you had Ryan Leonard going to Montreal. In my mock 1.0, I had Ryan Leonard going to Montreal. So we thought cons- consensus top 10, and we were both right about that. Six foot, 190 pounds. Kind of plays an all-around game. Can kill penalties, five-on-five. He's skilled. He can play power play kind of everywhere. And I think it's a decent fit for Washington that, you know, is still in that not sure where they want to go yet phase, but they're getting a guy that can really accelerate a retool, if you will. Yeah, for sure. I think this is a great pick. He, uh, I, I think he also kind of have has those skills that Washington wants with that grittiness and I think they were lacking a player like Ryan Leonard. They they have a lot of skill, but maybe not a lot of grit. So I think it's a good idea. Well, I think I, I, I agree there. And, and I think it's funny because I think their disparity between guys that can score and are skilled guys and their disparity between 
guys that are probably like a Tom Wilson who I guess you could call has some skill, right? He can score some goals. There's no doubt about that. But it's going to be nice to have that 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 connector, that middle piece that's able to, well, look, if you want me on the first power play, absolutely no problem. If you want me to kill penalties, absolutely no problem. And I think that that's the problem with a team like like Washington because Kuznetsov is solely is solely offense. Mm-hmm. Ovi is solely offense. Nick Backstrom is solely offense because that's that's his style, that's his playmaking style. Tom Wilson is a little is a little bit of a gadget, but I'd call him a lower tier gadget. Like at this yeah. point in his career, yeah. so now you're really getting that gadget guy in Washington and really bringing that top six together or even middle six together mm-hmm. if you want. If you yeah, want. I think he's a good gel for for completing that top six. And I said Washington doesn't have grit, but yeah, Ovi has a little bit of grit and Tom Wilson. He can lay the boom. There's no doubt yeah, about exactly. that. Exactly. So no, I think it's great. They're adding to it and they're going to be a scary team because I think they're still going to be pushing for the playoffs. Absolutely. But, um, yeah, I just wanted to say one thing. I was just looking over this, but. We actually did go eight for ten in terms of guys who were picked in the for uh, the top ten. We oh got yeah, eight out so, of the ten. Right? So no Oliver Moore, correct? That was on me. Yeah, it was only Simishev that we didn't get right and uh, Nate Danielson. But right, okay. Yeah, we'll move on to him right now. Yeah. So at number nine, Detroit. I don't know if it's considered to go off the board here, but takes Nate Danielson from the WHL. Center, six two, one hundred eighty six pounds. Look, I think that he. I, I don't know much about him, so I'm not gonna speak. I'm not gonna speak a lot um, on. Oh, we so, sorry. We didn't give a. We didn't give a letter grade for Ryan Leonard. Oh yes. Um, I'm gonna give that pick an A. I was gonna go with the same thing. I think. Okay. I think I was gonna go with the same thing. Maybe not. Uh, no. Yeah. A. A seems to be uh, uh, fair for that pick, yeah. especially considering that he could have gotten a lot. Could have gotten a lot of or three yeah. picks earlier, right? He could have gone earlier, but I think that was in the right spot, and he just fits the team well. For sure. Okay, sorry. So let's go back to Detroit here. Nate Danielson. I don't know. Like I said, I don't know much about him. Do you know anything about him? Um, honestly, not too much. He he's he's kind of a, a quiet top twelve predicted pick. So mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know if he's insane at anything. I think he's a good skater. Um, he had a pretty good season: thirty three goals, forty five assists, seventy eight points in sixty eight games. Obviously, nothing outstanding, but compared to the season before. Um, I mean, although he did play 15 more games than last year, he did better. But uh, yeah, Detroit did need a center. Maybe there are a couple better options out there. But um, six foot two overall, I think it's a good pick. I'll give my grade right away. I think it's a B minus pick. To be B honest. minus. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Because I look based off what I understand, based off what I'm reading here. You know, he seems he seems to have a lot of tools in the toolbox, mm. which is something that I think Stevie Y has always preached. And look, six two and can skate well. You can't knock that whatsoever. Um, again, like I said, don't know a ton about him, but I think in this case I'll probably give either a B plus or even an A minus at that point. Okay. Because again, I think maybe you could have taken him a little bit later. But we also said the same thing about Moritz Sider. Mm-hmm. With with um, excuse me with the uh, I'm blanking with the Detroit Red Wings. Yeah. So look, I mean, who knows? I clearly Cy has a knack for finding those draft gems, and I think that he probably took him there because he knew what he was getting and he knew what he can be. So I'm not going to knock him until the process is until the process is finished, until we see what kind of player he is. I see here that one guy compares him a lot to a guy like Dylan Cousins. Um, and says that he can also be a top two line center, 
on a contending team with Larkin and Marco Casper, for example. So it's a great foundation down the middle for Detroit. I'll give it a B plus. I'll solidify okay. with a D plus, and uh, we'll move on from there. Yeah, so maybe I'll up it to a B for me. And, and, and to be completely honest with you, I, I really thought that, you know, one thing that we talked about was that at the eight and nine spot, we had interchangeably Zach Benson and Dvorsky a couple times. Mm-hmm. And I think that those are also two centers that could have, we, we, we said Dvorsky would be a good fit in Detroit considering the, you know, the track record of Europeans. And we said that uh, Zach Benson also because of his high motor game and the way that he competes and how Stevie Y likes that. So it's funny how... They went with a center, but it wasn't one of the two, or one of at least one of the two that I yeah. thought that they would take. Well, I think Zach Benson's actually a wing, so he he's he's very versatile. Plays okay. center and wing. Okay. Um. Now it's a question of he's clearly not a pure center, but all all that to say that yeah. I guess he could play center if he wanted yeah. to. Yeah. All that to say there there is definitely other options on the board, but maybe Stevie Y sees something we don't. All right. Exactly. Well, let's move on to pick number ten. Number ten. St. Louis selected Dalibor Dvorsky. I really, really thought they were going to take a defenseman. I you thought they were going Axel Sandin, Axel or Tom Willender, but I just did not think they were going to pick a center or a forward in general, just because I think they have a lot of upcoming guys on their roster. But I don't mind the pick at all, to be honest. No, I I think that was a great place to take him at. Over the last year, Dvorsky has been mocked to be in the top five, in the top ten. Yeah, it's all twenty. It's all over the place. So. Yeah, he um, bounced around a little bit from the Swedish one and the Swedish junior league and produced really well in both. So I think he can become a really good second line center, maybe even a first, who knows? And uh, yeah, St. Louis got a pretty good player. I'm going to give this pick a, a B plus or maybe even an A minus just for where they yeah, got him. I was going to go with an A minus too. I think I was going to go with a minus. I think that Dalibor Dvorsky brings a lot to the table with his frame at 6'1", 200 pounds. He clearly produced at the slow, at the at with, with Slovakia with their national team. Um, now, look, I think there's always been a knock on, or not always been a knock, but you know, Europe, European players in general that compete in 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 men's leagues or whatnot, it's tougher for them to produce, which in turn leads to a different draft position for some of these guys. But Dalibor Dvorsky clearly has, like, again, all the tools in the toolbox to be a great player. And I think that landing with a team like St. Louis that clearly knows how to develop young forwards and to give them the right ice time and to put them in the right position to succeed, I think that there's no doubt that Dalibor Dvorsky will be, you know, a number two center at, at to say the least, right? At, at, at the very worst, in my opinion. So I think it was a great spot for, for him uh, to go there. I give that pick an A-. minus. All right. Another, uh, just quickly, another former Hab on the move. Getting signed by Philly, Ryan Paling. Ryan Paling to Philly, stays stays in Pennsylvania, correct? Yeah. So just moving across the, I think it's a bridge. So <laughs> well, I don't know exactly. <laughs> yeah. I don't know exactly don't know in what geography. direction. But um, just to give you a couple uh, a couple notables, right? Because we're not. I mean, we're we're staying inside the top ten, but just to kind of, we're not even going to give any ratings, but we'll just talk about some of the guys that went where and you know who are some of our. Do you have any favorite picks past top ten um, in the fir- that stay within the first round um, that you wanted to mention? Yeah, we don't have to go over every single guy. Um, just I want to say a couple things about other guys, good or bad, but uh, good picks. Thirteen Buffalo got Benson. I think unbelievable that was a steal. Unbelievable, in my opinion. Yeah, um, Braden Yeager. 14 to Pittsburgh, exactly where I thought he was going to go. Mm. Um, Matthew Wood, also solid Not pick bad, by Nashville. Yeah. Uh, I think Axel sending Palika to Detroit at 17 was also a terrific pick. And then Oliver Moore at 19. 
outstanding pick by Chicago. Personally, I told you that I liked him. I I, I hope he turns out to be a good player because I think that he really, like I said, I think he has what it takes to succeed. Um, Look, I think... I think like even Gabe Perot at 23 to the Rangers, you're getting a guy that produced at the US NDP level um, at an incredible pace, right? And like you're putting him on an already stacked Rangers team, like who knows when he'll slot into the lineup, but I think that he's a player that player to watch for sure. Um, I think Quinn and Musty to San Jose, another another winning pick from Sudbury, Sudbury in the OHL. Um, plays a very strong game. He's very, he, he scores. Um, Any bad picks? After the top 10. I didn't like Daniil Butt to Arizona. I thought that that was a heavy reach considering that he was probably predicted more to go to the back end of the first round, even even beginning of the second. Yeah. And again, I don't know much about him, but I know that that was a reach. That's that's what I'll say about, about that. Yeah. Um, I have a couple. Samuel Honzik, really mid-season in the WHL, didn't put up a lot of points to Calgary. Um, then I had the Leafs pick, Easton Cowan, was sitting in the top bowl of the arena. It took him 20 minutes to come down when he got drafted because he wasn't expected to go until the fourth round. So I don't know what's going on over there in Toronto, but they decide to reach on this guy under point per game by 15 points. Had a good playoff, though, but wasn't the one of the top players on his junior team in the London Knights. And, yeah, just a little bit surprising to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple more that I liked, uh, Mikhail, uh, Mikhail Gulaev to Colorado at 31. I thought that, that was, yeah, I thought that was an unbelievable pick. I thought Bradley Natto to Carolina out of the BCHL was also a pretty good pick. You know, you're, you're taking, you, you know, the BCHL isn't particularly one of those leagues where you're, you're grabbing your talent from, but it doesn't mean that you can't find some, some solid players from those leagues. Right. And then, uh, lastly, another good pick that I, or another pick that I liked was Caleb Ritchie to Colorado at 27th overall. You're getting a big Big center, 6'2", 184 pounds. Um, had a pretty good season in the OHL. Plays a very well-rounded game. Yeah. And yeah, so again, like I thought I thought there were more... I think it was easy... F- and, and again, I think this goes back to the, fr- the top 10, right? There were some surprises. There were some surprise placements, which gives a lot of those teams that have back-end first rounds to nab some talent because of what's remaining on the board after all the reaches. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I One thing, one more thing I just want to mention... Seattle just knows how to draft. They get Edward Saleh at 20, which I think is pretty good value, although we're not super high on him. Yeah. And then they got Dragasevic mm-hmm. late in the second round, and he was a predicted top uh, a first-round pick. Right. So, yeah, good on Seattle. And then Andrew Cristal picked in the second round to Washington. So Washington just adding to that Leonard, Cristal, and now Max Pacioretty. They got McMichael... Let's see where let's see where this team goes after this retool. Yeah, but let's close things out here. Let's focus. Let's hyper focus here on Montreal for a second. Yeah. Now Montreal's draft strategy this year was questionable to say the least. I have no idea if this is going to work out or not. Um, However, let's just run through the picks. I'll I'll just name them all off. We'll talk about a couple of the guys. And again, we I personally don't know much about any of the guys. I could give some insight on Florian Jackye, but other than that. Um, I can't. So David Reinbacher, Jacob Fowler in the third round, Florian Jackai in the fourth, Bogdan Kanushov in the fourth, Quentin Miller, goalie in the fourth, Sam Harris in the fifth, Evgeny Volokin, goalie in the fifth, Philip Erickson, center in the sixth, and Luke Middlestat from the University of Minnesota, defenseman in the seventh round. 
Are there any notables or, you know, comments, concerns, questions? Um, concerns, we pick three goalies. Um, concerns, we pick two overage defensemen. Or, I don't know if it was two defensemen. At least one overage Well, defenseman. Florian Jacka is also an overage. Okay, yes. Yeah, so two overage defensemen because I think that Russian guy we picked. Yeah, I think it's uh, Knushov. Yeah. Um, and then in the seventh round, we picked Casey Middlestat's brother, who's 20 years old. So... <laughs> I just uh, the question marks for me, and again, I don't I don't knock a draft strategy until I see, until I see these players. You know, like again, I always and I don't know about you, I always believed in taking goalies just because late in late in rounds because you know if one of them pans out, you're set. Yeah, but right. Taking three yes, goalies three, and one of them three being is your, excessive. Your third round pick, which was your second pick in the draft, I don't know. Well, Jacob Fowler to me has had good has had good. Uh, He's yeah, he's had great numbers. Like he played in the USHL. He had a one point. Well, he only played nine games. Uh, oh no, sorry, he played forty uh, last year. Yeah, and he went twenty seven nine and four with a nine twenty one save and a two point two eight goals against. And then in the playoffs, he played nine games, went eight and one with a nine fifty two and a one thirty six goal or one point three six goals. So again, like look, he's from. Melbourne, Florida, he's 18 years old. Goalies take a little bit longer to develop. But again, if this guy turns into something, then you know where the Montreal Canadiens are already struggling. Like, look, you have Samuel Montembeau, but is he the future? Who knows? Caden Primo has, has struggled. There's, it's, that's clear. Jake Allen is clearly not around for the long run. We know that. So a guy like him, like Jacob Fowler, can definitely benefit. But then, you, but then it begs the question, well, why are they taking Quentin Miller and why are they taking, um, excuse me, Evgeny Volokin? Like, is that necessary? Who knows? And I, it almost feels like I, I don't even know, like what, why they would, why they would go that route. But hey, what are we gonna, what are we gonna do? Like that's that's just how it went. That's but, just how uh, it went. Yeah, I understand we have Arbor Jacki, but come on, picking Florian Jacki over Azure, he had twenty five points in sixty eight games. 25 points in 68 games. I think he's a player that could have easily gone undrafted uh, to me. Yeah. So he played in Junior B two seasons ago uh, for for the Pelham Panthers. Then he winds up in the OHL for his his brother's former team with the Hamilton uh, Bulldogs. Look, again, 25 points in 68 games is short of impressive. I think that he, and from what I understand, I think he plays a very gritty style like his brother. He's, you know, he's an energy guy, but is an energy guy a guy that you take in the fourth round? I don't think so. But hey, look, I'm not going to, like, there's obviously, I obviously have questions about the picks. There's no doubt about that. But I think, I always believe in in giving things time. I don't, look, do I think Florian Jacko will be a a top line guy for us? Absolutely not. But Mm -hmm. Is he someone that could maybe solidify a spot at some point throughout the lineup? Who knows? I, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm trying to be as optimistic yes. as possible. I think that you don't know until you see it come to fruition. Now, if there's a favorite pick from the, uh, from the Habs draft that I really liked, I, I did well. Other than David Reinbacher, because I think that again we talked about value at five, but I did like Jacob Fowler. I did. I think that that's a really good pick there. And I, if I'm, if I'm being honest, I also liked Vogdan Kanushov because he's an overager. He's 20 years old who played in the KHL, but he had, but he did have. Um, just to confirm here, yeah, he did have 25 points in 64 games as a defenseman. So you're playing in a men's league. You're almost half a point per game, give or take. It's not, again, overager is de- definitely tells you something. But I mean, if he can, if he can be something half decent, I don't think we can we complain necessarily about the age there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just 
one thing I want to say about Florian Jackye, if if he can develop like Arbor Jackye, then maybe it's an insane pick. So, but it's it's also different because he's a forward, and the thing is, our forward logjam is also great to begin with. And yeah. if he's not going to provide, like we have guys for our bottom six, right? Mm-hmm. We have g- gritty guys, we, and again, littered with whether it's Jake Evans or Joel Armia, and of course, those guys won't be a, necessarily. Be, Jake Evans maybe a little bit longer, but Armia won't be allowed around for the long run, but. Look, again, like you said, like if he can solidify his spot by developing properly and, you know, working on his craft and figuring out his place in this league, then maybe he could solidify his spot. Yeah. And for my favorite pick of the draft, other than Rhinebacker, of course, I think, honestly, it might be uh, Evgeny Volokin because out of the three goalies we picked, he was the lowest picked one, but with the best stats. And although he didn't play in the KHL, he played in the MHL, which is, I believe, the league right under it. Mm Mm-hmm. He posted a 26-3 and record, 20 wins, 6 losses, 3 overtime losses, and then a 212 GAA and a 927 save percentage. And so, he's 18 years old as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. So maybe he takes 5, 6, 7 years, but I guess it's always good to get as many goals as you can. Yeah, it's definitely interesting. It's definitely an interesting strategy, but again, like I said, we'll, we'll wait and see on these picks. We'll wait and see. Mm-hmm. But again, feel free to reach out to us. Let us know who your favorite pick of the draft was, who, you know, who who drafted well, who didn't draft so well. Overall, what do you give the Habs in terms of a grade for their entire draft? I give it a C. Okay. I'm I'm giving it a C minus, maybe even a D. Although Ryan Backer's your guy, I just don't see any of these guys. I guess it's hard to say for a goalie, but I just don't see any of these guys making our team anytime soon well yeah there's no doubt anytime soon is definitely the truth but again like i said like you can't you can't take away from the fact that jacob fowler for example like look you can look at jacob dobes for example right out of ohio state who posted incredible numbers now he's signed to the he signed or he played in the hl a little bit last year practice with the team at least like goalies goalies are a position at least in this league where if you don't have one you're not you're you're not like, look, the, the Vegas Golden Knights won with a hot goalie. They mm-hmm. won with a hot goalie. And that's all you really need. But a hot goalie becomes a hot goalie because they're a good goalie. So all I'm saying is that you're better off taking your chances by drafting a bunch of goalies. And three is a little bit excessive, don't get me wrong. But you're better off drafting goalies with the potential of them turning out to be good and locking down your net instead of just hoping for, just hoping for the next man to step up. Mm-hmm. So again, three is a little bit excessive, but I think that there could be some merit to drafting a guy like Jacob Fowler as early as he was picked. Now, just I think this is the last thing we want to talk about, but um, before the draft, there was a rumor, I think it was true, that Nashville offered the Canadians Askarov pick number... Uh, what was they? It was two first. I think round it was picks. 15, uh, 15th overall, twenty fourth overall, and and uh, Askarov. Yeah. Now, looking back at it if, now, are you, if you're about to ask me if I take that, yeah. I snap my fingers. Yes, I pull the yes. trigger. Yes, okay. because because I think, and again, it's a lot easier said than done. Because giving up that fifth overall is a lot. It's real estate. And it's one thing if you were going to go from fifth overall to seventh or eighth overall and still be able to take a Leonard, a Benson, a, uh, I'm blanking on one more Alder name, Moore. or or yeah, or even a Mitch Kovac seven, right? Like those are guys that you could have taken while getting other assets. 
But I still think getting a guy like Askarov, who's still so raw and still one of the better goalie prospects with the 15th and 24th overall picks, which are both good real estate in the back end of that first round where there were still a lot of great players available. Mm-hmm. I think I think it was a pick, uh, a trade that I would have taken. But again, okay. yeah. what about you? I'm on the fence, actually, because like the more I think about it, we, we got our defensemen. Like, we're kind of set. So, I don't know. We need a goalie, and getting two first-round picks also could have been nice. But, yeah, I really don't know. I, I think that it would be really beneficial. But at the same time, I do really like Reinbacker. Yeah, me too. I, I, I'm, he's, he's growing on me for sure. I yeah. think, I mean, I don't think I was ever low on him. I just didn't know much about him. Cause I didn't, I didn't ever think yeah. it was a reality that, that Montreal would end up mm-hmm. taking him. We, we always had him in our top 10. So yeah, I, and, and you had him six at one point. Yeah. Right. So yeah. like, and I think that that was more than accurate considering that if he didn't go to Montreal at five, he was going six. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And that was apparent based on them picking Simashev cause they really reached, I guess you can say on Simashev. So yeah, I think that about closes it out. Any other final comments on free agency? Um, nothing else has really happened as of right now. But again, I named a few names that were still on the board. Uh, we'll see where that takes us. There were a few, I mean, names that were that went off the board, but nothing to write home about, I guess. So we'll leave it at that. And I'm sure next week when we reconvene, we'll we'll have more uh, we'll have more info, more names that are that, that went off the board. So, is that it from you, Liam? Yeah. Check out the TikToks. We're uh, really active. Yeah, check out the TikToks. Check out our Instagram. If you made it this far, I appreciate it for one. Yeah. For two, check out the TikToks. Check out the Instagram. Check out the Twitter. All with the handle Habs Culture. We're doing a lot. We're doing a lot because I think I think it's fun for us and it's also fun for you guys if you guys are Habs fans or just NHL fans for that matter. So be sure to check it out. And with that being said, thanks a lot for tuning in, guys. And uh, have a great rest of your weekend. Happy Carl Alsner Day. And happy Canada Canada Day. Day. (laughs) Take care, guys.